0: Welcome, everyone, to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney.
1: And I am Carl.
0: This is episode 79, and we're discussing, we are reviewing Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode, so you've been warned.
1: Say we are discussing, we are reviewing.
0: (laughs) I did. You know what? We're going to leave it, because I said it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But yeah, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie finally came out in the U.S., after I don't know how many fucking months since it released in Japan.
1: It um, released in Japan, I think, in 2021. Uh, oh my god, that feels like the, forever ago. But that uh, was just a couple months ago. Oh, Christmas Eve, 2021. How, oh, right. how fitting, um, just because one of the main um, arcs takes place in on Christmas Eve.
0: Oh yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, but yeah I guess we didn't have to wait as long as some of the other movies like Demon Slayer or My Hero but finally it's released in the U.S. so we can talk about it we did see this movie on opening night um, with some of our friends who even dressed up as Gojo and Yuta and it was uh, was He, Utah? he looked interesting like,
1: um, like a chef <laughs> I know it,
0: I mean I I think it's pretty clever our one friend had like a chef's coat or whatever mm-hmm. with kind of like the the side buttons or whatever and it worked because it had the same shape that yuta's outfit has because he's got those like puffy sleeves mm-hmm. but he just looked like a chef <laughs> <laughs> he was like what do we call him chef ratatouille or some shit i don't know <laughs> yeah okay, I,
1: I, I called him like gordon ramsay at one point in the night but <laughs> i mean i commend them for coming to cosplay our, our friend who dressed up as gojo um uh, yeah he's the only gojo like they were the only two cosplayers um his Gojo was pretty good
0: And we went to a pretty popular theater, so the fact that they were the only two dressed up, mad props to them. Good job, guys. Good job, Jason and Kevin. You even stuck with the cosplay when we went out to eat dinner afterwards (laughs) at the restaurant. (laughs) That's commitment. Um, but yeah, we're excited to talk all about this movie. But before we do so, I wanted to go through a couple of um, reminders and updates, I guess. So first off, we've recently hit 50 members, 50 plus members in our Discord. So we are growing at a nice steady pace. If you haven't joined our Discord already, um, you know, definitely consider doing so. We have really good discussions. Right now, it's all about Attack on Titan. I feel like mm-hmm. that's where the bulk of it is. That and Star Wars. So if you're a Star Wars fan, there's a lot oh, of discussion yeah. around that. But we have a, a decent amount of discussion around other anime as well, merch, memes. Um, there's a Nazi for Work channel, if, if that's uh, up your alley. So yeah, if you're interested in joining the Discord, there is a link in the show notes in, in the description. So we hope to see you there. And then on Spotify, if you haven't done so already, if you are a Spotify listener, you're on the app, um, consider leaving us a rating. Our goal is to get to 100 reviews that is our, uh, I don't know what our deadline is for that goal, but at some point, we'd like to be at 100 reviews. So thank you to everyone who's left us a rating. It really, really helps us out. We really appreciate it. And again, for anyone who hasn't done so already, if you'd consider doing that, we'd really appreciate it. And last, but certainly not least, we want to give a huge, huge shout out to our newest patron, Jesse James.
1: Ooh, Jesse. James, <laughs> James. I, I I
0: really hope that's a Pokemon thing because that's that's amazing. That's a great callback. But thank you so much, Jesse James, for you know becoming a, a patron, uh, supporting the Strictly series of podcasts, everything that we do. We really really appreciate it. Um, you know, I, any sort of support, whether you're listening to us, connecting with us on social media or on Discord, or again becoming a patron, really means the world to us. So we seriously appreciate you, and we hope that you enjoy all the fun stuff that we have on our Patreon.
1: I think on our strictly jojo episode um, we read a, a nice message that we received from Jesse James uh, it's it was I think that podcast that brought them to uh, become our supporter so. Thank you, Jesse James. I guess your support does not make us feel cursed. It actually makes us feel blessed. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> Nice Jujutsu Kaisen tie-in. But yes, <laughs> we really appreciate it. And your note was so awesome. It left a huge smile on our face. And we're very glad to have a fellow JoJo fan join us. But if you'd like to support the show and get access to things like our bonus episodes... Our pre-show that we just recorded before starting this episode, Um, our show schedule is on there. You can send us questions if you want us to talk about anything particular to, you know, an upcoming anime that we're discussing. All of that fun stuff is over at patreon.com slash the Strictly Series.
1: Okay. So Jujutsu Kaisen Zero to Hero. (laughs) (laughs) I want to actually mention um, before we start that we are coincidentally recording this episode on the birthday of yuji itadori Did we you know that? are yeah, i March saw that 20th. on
0: instagram happy birthday itadori who wasn't even <laughs> in this movie because yeah. he didn't yeah. join that high school yet
1: <laughs> so i think i've kind of made it clear um and certain points throughout this podcast that i'm not like the biggest jujutsu kaisen fan but i would like to hear what you thought of the movie first before i share my opinion
0: Ooh, putting me in the hot seat um. What did I think? So I thought that the movie was really fucking good. Animation obviously was incredible. Music was really good. Um, I, I think everything about it was spectacular in the same way or even slightly better than what we experienced in season one. But I think there are some issues with the movie some it's nothing major but just like some some gripes that of course you know we always have gripes that we have about the movie that stem from the fact that this movie needed a bit more time to tell the story um and I can get into more detail when we go through the synopsis and and dive into things but I feel like this movie would have severely benefited from 30 more minutes at least And I don't know kind of who made the decision to kind of stop things at an hour and a half. I know MAPPA has a shitload of stuff that they're working on. They're probably like, we can't do more than an hour and a half and make this a good production. But I think it would have benefited. I really do. But what about you?
1: So maybe this is a hot take or it might not be, but I feel like I enjoyed this movie even more than the entirety of the Jujutsu Kaisen anime.
0: Oh shit! I know I, you were kind yeah. of like you enjoyed Jujutsu Kaisen season one, but you weren't as like hot on it as I was, right?
1: Yeah, uh, I think I I referred to, to Jujutsu Kaisen before as like a a mid anime. Oh my god! <laughs> hot it, takes it, up in here. Just because like nothing really stuck out to me about it. I just felt like. It was somewhat standard in the in the shonen tropes and in the power systems, but I don't know what it was about this movie that I I liked. Uh, I think it it provided a lot of context for certain things that were left kind of unexplained in the anime. Um, we get a lot of information on the mysterious character Gato. Uh, yeah what happened on i think it was the the night the night parade of a hundred demons a lot of characters always refer back to that in the anime Uh, and of course we get a lot of context and the story of yuta okotsu himself which i'm pretty sure we got shots of him whenever characters were talking about yuta in the anime and then the second op for season one features him for like a hot second and we finally get context for for that scene because that shows up as a post-credits scene uh, later in this movie. I remember
0: seeing that in the OP and like the first several episodes, that part just went right over my head. But as we started to learn about the characters, I was like, who is this guy? Who are these guys that are Mm -hmm. like in there for a hot second and we still haven't been introduced to them? But yeah, now we know.
1: Yeah, so we we get all of that context now. And even though I had watched Jujutsu Kaisen, we obviously have our uh, review on both parts of season one. I thought the way they crafted this as a sort of entry-level story for viewers or people who aren't familiar with Jujutsu Kaisen or haven't started the anime yet, I thought they balanced that pretty well with um, bringing in fans who who have watched the series Um, and, again, giving them uh, the background that they hadn't explored in the anime yet. And there wasn't any part of this movie where I felt like, okay, this part is kind of dragging along. Or, like, I think with Demon Slayer and My Hero, there were certain things in there that just made me question, like, what's the point? Kind of like, what, what's the point of this movie? Especially with My Hero, it felt like a cash grab. I didn't... My Hero
0: movie three, right? Yeah. The third movie? Yeah, the third movie.
1: Um, but I didn't f- feel any of that with this one. I... I just enjoyed it from uh, beginning to end and to your point earlier there are certain things that I thought the movie could have done better with Um, I think a lot of it focuses on its runtime but yeah like I said like I I don't really have major complaints about this movie and I think it it gave me a bit more of an appreciation for Jujutsu Kaisen so
0: one thing I was hoping to get um, was Gojo with slightly less op-ness to him like he he's constantly overpowered in the anime um and i was kind of hoping because this is a prequel that we would kind of see some development on his end or maybe like he wasn't fully aware of things that he knows now or didn't have you know the type of abilities that he has now and i know it wasn't like that many years in the past but i feel like it was the same gojo like there really wasn't any anything new for him and it reminds me of a tweet I sent you a link to it so you can see it too. Um, there's a tweet that I saw a while back that basically says, Jujutsu Kaisen is really just stay alive until Gojo gets here, the <laughs> anime. And I'm like, yeah, 100%. 100%. And I'll, I'll drop the link to the tweet if anyone wants to see it um, and read some of the comments uh, in our Discord. So, yeah, I just that's how I feel about Gojo. I think that's, this is an, an incredibly accurate tweet. And again, I, I felt like it was the same Gojo that we got in the anime. Everyone else in this movie had some sort of step back to them because it is a prequel. Even the main villain, Geto, he he had a step back to him because this was kind of his real introduction for us. But Gojo was the same Gojo that we got in the anime.
1: Although I will say this movie kind of explains things about Gojo that um, I, I, I kind of figure like once I learned that, I was like, okay, that, that does make sense. And it didn't feel like a A sort of cop-out or like a quick explanation although it was a pretty quick explanation if you think about it in the movie Um, but I actually I didn't mind seeing Gojo so OP in this one Um, I think because we get so much about his backstory as limited as the movie runtime was and really exploring his relationship with Ghetto. Uh, I think I referred to Jujutsu Kaisen as uh, like sort of like uh um like a Harry Potter anime just cuz it has like magical lore.
0: Wait, but, what was the one that I got the reference um the the Muggles? Yes. <laughs> the Muggles are that? in this this anime? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um and like just even the story of Ghetto and uh, Gojo's relationships, that that feels like it was ripped straight out of the Harry Potter series too. Um so I, I I appreciated that, like even though Gojo was OP in this one as he was on the show, uh, the film does provide more context as to why he is so OP.
0: Yeah, and I, I definitely want to dive into that context and really all the context f- surrounding each of the characters that was in this movie. Um, but let's let's jump into the synopsis. And for anyone who's not familiar, whenever we review a movie, we don't do a chronological. Like, kind of breakdown or, or discussion, we just kind of talk generally about the movie, so we'll do the same here.
1: All right, so let's dive into our synopsis and discussion for Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, which is a 2021 Japanese animated dark fantasy film based on the manga series Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, a prequel to the Jujutsu Kaisen manga series, both created by Gege Akutami, directed by Sung Hoo Park, and written by Hiroshi Seko, and produced by, of course, Mappa. The movie follows Yuta Okotsu as he learns to reconcile with the cursed spirit of his childhood friend while studying to become a sorcerer at Tokyo's Jujutsu High School. We start the film off with the boy who lived, Yuta, as he is morbidly protected from some school bullies by a demonic presence named Rika, the girl who died, later learning that it is the specter of his childhood sweetheart who got isekai'd into the afterlife far too soon. He attracts the attention of lady killing lecturer Mojo Gojo, who recruits Yuta to Jujutsu Hogwarts despite objections from his first year pupils, Maki, Inomaki, and Panda Maki, and the school board due to Rika's dangerous, special grade cursed nature. As Yuta navigates the strains and stresses of spiritual study, He saves Maki from being a full cursed dinner with Rika's help and assists Inumaki in exercising a cursed shopping district using a blade imbued with Rika's cursed energy. Mojo Gojo deduces that the perpetrator behind these occurrences is Gato Superstar, a pseudo-monk slash jujutsu Hogwarts alumni that seeks to establish sorcerer supremacy by eliminating all muggles excuse me, non-sorcerers in the world by throwing cursed Christmas Eve parties in Kyoto and Shinjuku. We learn that this is all a ruse in order for Gato Superstar to attack an isolated Yuta who wasn't invited to the parties and stays behind at Jujutsu Hogwarts. Despite some commendable defensive efforts by the Maki Club, Yuta faces Gato Superstar head-on with Rika as the rest of Jujutsu society shuts down the Christmas Eve festivities. Yuta asks Rika to lend him her energy in exchange for his life to take down Gato once and for all, at least until he somehow comes back in the anime. Despite the contractual agreement, Rika reverts back into human form as Mojo Gojo reveals that it was Yuta who cursed her in the first place because of his strong sorcerer bloodline, which coincidentally makes him a distant cousin of the blindfolded boy toy. Yuta reconciles with Rika before she becomes one with the force and vows to continue his crusade to save the world from more cursed Christmas parties. In a post credit scene, we find Yuta and Kenya communing with an ex gato superstar follower, Miguel, as they are joined by Mojo Gojo intent on finding some R&R. I guess you could say they are lost in paradise?
0: Wow! Look at that wrap-up. Well, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with animation? Because we also had some news or there, were, there was some news that came out about the director at MAPA.
1: Uh, are you talking about the article where it said Sung-Hoo Park left MAPA?
0: Yes. So for anyone who's not aware, um, I think it happened maybe this week or the news broke this week that um, Sung-Hoo, Ma- uh, Sung-Hoo MAPA, <laughs> sung Park left MAPA to start his own studio. And this is a big deal because... He is responsible for the incredible fight scenes from season one of Jujutsu Kaisen, as well as Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie. He's definitely a visionary when it comes to fight scene animation. And people are worried that he may not come back for season two, which did get confirmed. Now, I did read in an article, and we'll share a link in the Discord, that he is actually part of MAPA on a a contractual. What's the word?
1: Contractual. Contractual
0: basis. Thank you. So he could still come back, um, you know, in that same capacity, but who knows? If he's starting his own studio, he may not have the bandwidth for that. And Jujutsu Kaisen won awards, particularly at the Crunchyroll Anime Awards, for the animation from some of the major fight scenes, like the the My Friendo fight scene, I think, won. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of big news for this big shonen. but we'll see how that all that all pans out.
1: I don't know if this is the same article that you read. I'm looking at one from Anime Galaxy. Yeah, that's the one I'm seeing too. It says here that he actually started the studio back in March 2021. Oh. So it's been about a year. Uh, I don't feel, I feel like he'll still be involved with uh, Jujutsu Kaisen's production for season two. Um, Like you said, with him kind of, working with Mappa on like a contractual basis, I feel like they're going to have like offer his studio uh, enough money to, to come back and help out. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I think they'll hopefully they'll do what they can to bring him in unless they have somebody else that they can replace him with that has that same vision that he does for fight scenes because that's one of the big selling points about Jujutsu Kaisen are those fight scenes. So speaking of which, the animation in this movie... I thought was better than what we got in season one, and that's saying a lot because season one had really, really, really good animation. Granted, it is a movie, so it's movie 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 quality. <laughs> I'm flubbing my words today. Movie quality animation, but nonetheless, it looked fantastic.
1: Yeah, I, I don't really have much to say about the quality of animation. It, it's Mappa, I think. There's already like just saying Mappa, you know, there is a. An expectation of high standards and it it delivers in this movie um i guess you know the, the ways to make uh, things movie animation quality is you add like light flares or speckles of dust and you got that with this alongside just map was again amazing animation style uh, and uh, amazing animation work uh fight choreography was was terrific as always again with Song who park uh, directing this I feel like certain scenes; it was kind of hard to see the action, though.
0: Are you talking about when Utah goes up against Ghetto at the end?
1: That, and I f- think some of Gojo's fight with Miguel. And I know like, this is just something that occurs a lot, not just in uh, anime action sequences, but even action movies as a whole. I feel like it was the the Bournes series, the Jason Bourne series, that kind of started like this this shaky camera movement where you're, like, in the thick of the action, which is great for, like, putting you in, like, the character's shoes and their perspectives.
0: But not good for people like me who have motion sickness.
1: (laughs) That? And, again, you can't really see what's going on. Uh, To tie this in with the Batman, which we just watched recently, what I appreciated about that movie is even though we like we expect to see batman fighting criminals and such you you can kind of see like a a clear shot of the action like it's not the camera shaking around it's like it's panning back or like it's moving backwards and you can see batman fighting these criminals and you get a little bit of that here in jujutsu kaizen but sometimes it was unclear who was punching who Or, like, with Miguel's ropes, like, what direction they were going, what direction Gojo was going, Um, even though at the end it was pretty clear, like, Gojo was goaded enough to to defeat Miguel.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you about some of the fight scenes being, like, I don't know, they left me feeling uncertain on what was going on until the very end when I saw the outcome but overall, just amazing. I think the choreography, what, one piece of choreography that stuck out for me was the very first fight where Maki went up against those three curses um, when her and Yuta were mm-hmm. at the school. It was like, what, two minutes at most? Not even like a minute and a half. And I just saw the way they choreographed her going after the three um, curses and just the flips and the kicks and the sword, or whatever her weapon, slicing through it. It looked really good. It yeah. was
1: really, really good. It was crisp. And it didn't feel like it was like rotoscope. I, I don't know how to explain this, but I, I feel like they probably did have to use rotoscoping and maybe like some, some motion capture just to nail down uh, the choreography of Maki's fight sequence. But it still felt distinctly. Anime.
0: It felt sakuga. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's yeah. I think you you hit the nail on the head there. Like it didn't feel like watching. I don't want to spoil Attack on Titan, but the the one scene back in part one of the final season, um, it was a dinner scene.
0: Oh yeah, where I wanted to scream because yeah. the rotoscoping was just so blatant.
1: But yeah, here it just it it felt right. It didn't take you out of the moment, and it it showcased maki's prowess very well
0: that was a great start to the fight scenes and the choreography as soon as i saw that part i was like "Ooh, we are watching a mapa movie like this is this is next level it was really really nice so yeah i think animation overall amazing i besides kind of your point of just like too much going on on screen in certain moments overall i thought it was absolutely spectacular um and i really don't have like any any other qualms but i guess in terms of soundtrack what are your thoughts on that? Because you're the you're the music person. I I'll give my really quick two cents. I thought that the soundtrack was good, although I was kind of taken by surprise that we had so many songs in the middle of the movie that had lyrics to them. And I'm not always for that in anime movies. Um, like other like Hollywood movies, yeah, it makes sense that that shit's peppered throughout. But for some reason, for anime movies, I usually prefer just music with no vocals.
1: Really? The only vocals I noted were at the very beginning, where it felt like. The like it was the op. You have the shot of Yuta going about going about his daily routine before starting at uh what is it called the Jujutsu Hogwarts. Jujutsu <laughs> High. Yeah, Jujutsu High. Um, and you have like the the title credits going across the screen, and you hear. I th- so I think the song is called "The Cursed Child" by Alisa Um uh, I didn't mind it. Again, it it felt very OP-like. I I remember catching one lyric where the rhythm felt off just because they were singing in English. I've talked about this before where um, they use English lyrics in these Japanese shows, but it's not like native English speakers who are uh, singing or writing the song. So sometimes the cadence feels off.
0: Or like the inflections aren't in the right spot.
1: Right. I thought it was a, a great song. Um, very melancholy just to reflect on like what Yuta's going through at that moment when he's starting at Jujutsu High. Uh, but I guess other than that, like in terms of music and composition and score, uh, I have a note here that the film was composed by Hiroaki Tsutsumi and Yoshimatsu, Yoshimasa Terui. Um, I w- want to say, yeah, Hiro... Hiroki Tsutsumi also composed the uh, series proper for Jujutsu Kaisen, so it felt natural for him to also compose the movie, and it it, it was good. <laughs> it I think
0: was... the other song with lyrics was when Utah was going up against Ghetto, right? Uh, and I didn't need it there. Like, okay. yeah, the OP feeling one where he was getting ready that that was fine, but I think that the the like finale fight um that song having lyrics i get it for like a movie it makes sense to put that there but i just didn't like it and that that's just like a personal thing um i would have preferred just regular like music no vocals Mm -hmm. um yeah i didn't like totally distract me but it kind of took me out of it for a second
1: maybe i i didn't catch it just because i was so enveloped in this scene um but i guess in in terms of the the score overall it was it was it was a, a cinematic score, uh, melodic transitions from felt like there were a lot of slow emotional ballads during the, the the quieter scenes to kind of sounding like martial arts epics when you have the the action sequences and especially in that climax between Yuta and ghetto, I Again, I didn't note like the 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 spoke or the lyrics that were sung, um, but just when that moment where uh, Utah enters that not contract but he agrees to exchange his life for Rika's power and the sound effects are cut out and you just hear the the welling orchestra play Uh, I thought was a very powerful moment it made you just like enjoy the moment for what it is rather than having the bombastic sound effects so credits to the composers for Getting the music right in that part. Um, the only other song that I noted during the movie was from Utah's sparring session with Maki, just because it it didn't feel out of place, because I thought it was appropriate for like a like that high school setting. Um, it's yeah, it was like a kind of like a rock song that, that played over it. It's called Practice on the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero original motion picture soundtrack which is available on spotify for anyone who wants to listen to it i just thought like that song just stuck out so much um and i i added it to our we have a separate soundtrack playlist on spotify so
0: oh it's on there now Mm-hmm. oh can't wait for that one to pop up um so let's talk about characters next uh separate from the story i the story is going to be the meat of this discussion but i kind of just had some general thoughts about three characters in particular. And I don't know if you have any just general thoughts as well. It'll kind of play into the actual story, I'm sure. But um, first off with Utah, I knew nothing about him going into this movie. I only knew that this movie was a prequel for the show. I literally knew nothing else so from the promo images from the key visuals i actually thought that he was gojo's age or maybe like a little bit older and that the girl he was with which was rika was actually his daughter because i saw that he wore a wedding ring so i was mm. like oh this is gonna be i don't know like maybe he was a teacher at Jujutsu high or whatever clearly i was wrong clearly i was way off about it this is not what i was expecting but what were your initial thoughts about yuta before going into the movie did you think the same thing or did i just completely misinterpret all
1: the key visuals um i didn't even realize he was wearing a, a ring in the visuals i just went off of what i remember from the show is that these the students and the teachers at jujutsu high would always kind of speak like highly about yuta As if he were this OP character, but what caught me off guard, I think, from the very first scene, it's like we we see Utah being tormented by the bullies at his former school, and then Rika steps in to stop them, and I think like she brutally murders all of them. Uh, I I wrote a note that Utah reminds me of like Courage the Cowardly Dog, Um, and maybe it's because like the the voice acting performance makes him sound so feeble and he does kind of feed into certain like shonen tropes and archetypes
0: he's uh, a tanjiro and right. a midoriya and uh takemichi mm-hmm.
1: like he doesn't want to like get in anyone's way and just feels so defeated in life especially with rika's death and him feeling like he was the one who put the curse on her uh, theory which turns out to be true by the end of the movie um so I wasn't expecting him to be so shonen-esque I guess I
0: completely agree as soon as he opened his mouth and started talking I was like what the fuck that is not what I expected again because I thought he was going to be like a young adult not a teenager and so I expected Mm -hmm. him to have like not a deep voice but I don't know something deeper than the voice that he had and maybe like a little more of like a put-together presence yeah I Completely had no idea what Yuto was all about, clearly. <laughs> I was very much surprised. Not that I disliked his character by any means. It just was not at all what I was thinking.
1: Yeah. And then he grew into the strong character that like we now know. And it it kind of gives a credence to the stuff that people say about him on the show. Uh, but yeah. I, I want to make a note here that voice acting-wise, uh, Yuto was voiced by... Megumi Ogata, and it says here that she was also the voice of Shinji in Evangelion. Yeah. Um, and more. And Shinji
0: was a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I don't know if that's like a 180 with uh, Yuta. Hopefully it is. And uh, I think she also voiced Hanako-kun or Tsukasa in Toilet-Bound Hanako-kun um, from recent memory. So.
0: Oh, yeah, I didn't watch that, but I am familiar with the title.
1: But yeah, so, so Unexpected personality and performance for Utah, but i i grew to like him at the end uh just because like his his virtues his ideals in, in fighting off um a ghetto and like the the nature of these villainous curse sorcerers while also protecting his friends was a very noble thing to do
0: let's move on to rika um She got isekai'd in the beginning of this movie (laughs) by the tropes. She technically got isekai'd. I wonder where she is now.
1: Well, we know now that she is resting in paradise, hopefully. In another world. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think that Rika was a really interesting character that we didn't get to see much of. And we'll get into that when we talk about the story, but I wanted more of Rika. Um not just Rika the stand <laughs> <laughs> because Utah was the stand user but like Rika the the kid from the flashbacks the the Rika the real Rika that Utah knows i wanted more of that um i don't know i just felt like she was barely in the movie both as a curse and as a backstory character
1: which is kind of odd because i was reading somewhere that the um the director i guess Park, parkin like the team in order to increase the runtime of the movie they added things that weren't in the original series which was i think only four chapters uh they added backstories such as the that between uh yuta and rika um, and then that between uh, Gato and gojo which i'm sure we'll talk about later but we only it felt like only five minutes total of flashbacks we get between you and Rica. It doesn't really help cement the, the the closeness of that relationship than if we were to get like a, if this were split into a series, like getting a, a dedicated episode um, as a flashback.
0: I completely agree. It's that classic case of don't tell me something is, show me something is the way that it is. And you're I, I, I am convinced that Utah and Enrica were in love and that he still cares about her, obviously, because this whole situation kind of snowballed from their relationship. But I, I wanted more of that context in order to feel fully convinced and fully on board. And again, not just like I'm being told that they were in love, but actually being shown that they were in love. Again, I don't doubt that they were in love, but I just like I, sometimes I want to see more of that.
1: Along those lines, what did you make of their introduction where they're both at a hospital and then they see each other or, like, was it Utah coughs as he's walking down the hallway? He glances over at Rika and she's she's bedridden, but they look at each other. Like, I didn't know if they explained it at another point in the movie um, and I just missed it, but, like, were they suffering from something and they just bonded over, like, their, their time, the hospital together like going through their respective Ill- illnesses
0: i have no fucking yeah. idea <laughs> so, so, and yeah. that's the problem yeah and again we'll dive into this more when we talk about writing and story but yeah i mean what purpose did that serve right the way that it was shown to us in the movie what purpose did them being sick and being in the hospital serve they could have just been classmates they could have been mm-hmm. neighbors they could have been kids that just met at the fucking library i don't know it didn't it, it, the way that it was presented it wouldn't have mattered how they met But for some reason, they made it sick kids in a hospital. And so, is that important? Is that why Utah is weak? Because physically he is frail from his illness? I don't know. Like, did rika give him the engagement ring because her time on this earth was limited i mean granted mm. it was technically because she got isekai'd um you know a little bit after they met or whatever
1: but she said like when we grow or get older exactly like to... so
0: there was no sense of like impending doom that one or both of them was gonna die soon and so they, they made this promise to each other there was none of that like what was the point of making them sick what is the the data de- 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 it's like byoki de- de, i think because byoki means sick um so the, the, the Dede Dede type, I think, is Byoki Dede. That, that's what these two were. But then it served no, no purpose to the overall story.
1: Yeah, I think the movie definitely needed to develop the, the love connection between them more. And I know at the end of the movie, uh, when Rika is freed of the curse that uh, Yuta inadvertently placed on her, like you get this sort of Demon, demon Slayer style level of closure with her. And it, it's it's an emotional scene where she, like, lets go of Yuta and tells him, um, I'll wait for you on the other side, but just don't come sooner. Something like, like, don't come sooner than expected. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, it, 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 it still has that emotional weight, but, again, I feel like we hadn't seen enough of the relationship between them to even carry more of that weight. And... In terms of Rika's like cursed form, I thought because that council, the school council or whatever, when they were talking to Gojo about how dangerous uh, Yuta and Rika would be to the point where they, I think they wanted to execute Yuta just because of how uncontrollable Rika's nature is, uh, and then Gojo vouched for him, and then obviously that's how we, Yuta continued at the school. I thought that Rika being this immensely powerful curse would start to be more uncontrollable the more that Yuta trained and used her powers. Because uh, even Gojo says, don't release Rika when he's paired up with Inomaki in the shopping district. But I feel like we only got a fleeting moment of her kind of irrational nature when she's about to like tear apart Maki... And even in the beginning, when she tears that demon apart.
0: The curse apart.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's only that we see that, and then she, she's just jealous of Maki. But it, we never see that like rage that she's supposed to have.
0: Yeah, they touted her as this very dangerous, uncontrollable thing, and then she just wasn't. Like, there was mm-hmm. the one moment in the beginning at the school, and then she just wasn't. She was fine after that and yeah i i i just felt weird okay so here's my thing now that we talked about yuta and rika i want to talk about ghetto but the reason i want to talk about him is because i felt like while i enjoyed the parts with him and i enjoyed the additional context around who he is because really we we knew nothing about him in season one he's just kind of there in the background but the real main villain is uh is that his name Mm-hmm. like he, he's the the key focus here as, as the antagonist but now we understand why ghetto's around like why he is such a threat and you know why he's doing what he's doing but i didn't feel like he needed to be in this movie i didn't feel like he needed to be the antagonist i kind of wanted rika to be the antagonist mm-hmm. i wanted the focus of this story because all the the promo images all of the hype that i had been hearing it's all about yuta the story is about yuta this is his story and yes while that's true. I felt like there were times where Yuta and Rika actually took a step back from the focus so that Gojo and Ghetto could have moments, or that Ghetto could have moments, or even the other students could have have their moments. Like, I didn't feel like the movie truly was dedicated to Yuta's story. It was just kind of a part of a larger story. And I wanted the actual conflict and the, the antagonist to be centered around Rika. I wanted the conflict to be Yuta trying to figure out how to control Rika and her potentially hurting other people because he, she can't be controlled. And how does he get rid of her? Does he even want to get rid of her? Is he ready to move on from his past like that? Like, that's what I wanted and that's what I expected going into this movie. And then Ghetto shows up. <laughs> and I'm like, mm. why are you here? And then he explains and then he becomes the antagonist. And it kind of feels quick. It kind of just feels out of nowhere. We switch from what is building up to be a conflict with Rika to suddenly the conflict is all about Ghetto. And he's doing bad things with not a ton of lead up as to why he's doing them. He just is doing bad things because he doesn't like people, and so I felt like I again I enjoyed the stuff going on with Geto. I, I like learning more about him, especially his relationship with Gojo, but I kind of didn't want that or expect that. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like I just feel like he popped out, popped in, popped in out of nowhere, and then just kind of carried the rest of the movie.
1: No, you make a good point. Like I would have now I love to see more of like a, a budding not a budding conflict but like a growing conflict between Yuta and Rika because we've talked about like there's there's a, a power in Rika that's that seems uncontrollable and obviously Ghetto knows that he wants that power too but in terms of mentioning before that they wanted to add to or fill in the movie's runtime by giving more backstory to Ghetto and Gojo's relationship I feel like they could have done that more with uh, Yutan Rika instead.
0: Yeah, I don't know. And I also wonder, what is Ghetto's motivation? Why does he hate regular people? He just does. Everything with Ghetto in this movie is just because. And again, it's another situation of you're telling me instead of showing me. And you're telling me he hates regular people. Okay, like, why? I was just a bit confused by that. And also, side note, I'm so sorry if anyone can hear birds in the background. It's spring. The weather's getting warmer. There's a tree mm-hmm. right near like where we do our podcasting, and apparently there are birds on that tree. So if you can hear birds in the background, we apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I guess now the birds are making me lose my train of thought i know they keep Um, chirping
0: and i'm like that's great and now i'm glad it's getting warm out but please shut up
1: stupid birds yeah going back to jujutsu kaisen the movie peppers in things that that kind of explain ghetto's way of thinking i remember there was like a conversation between him and gojo i think when they were younger um about how he feels like sorcerers like they have this magical power, I guess, um, over cursed energy and curses that makes them kind of the top of the food chain when it comes to humans. Um, even though Gojo champions, I think he called it "survival of the weakest," where because they have this special these special powers, like they have a responsibility to protect humanity from these curses. So here, it's kind of that same dynamic I mentioned earlier with looking at the Harry Potter franchise. Um, Gojo and Gato being kind of like uh, Dumbledore and Grindelwald. It's probably I
0: don't know who names yeah, unf- <laughs> name was
1: unfamiliar to you and most probably most of our listener base. But that also struggle between ideals of whether to uh, have like a sort of magical supremacy over society or to actually protect society from magical threats uh i think the one scene that kind of highlighted why Gato like has this, this animosity he, i know he calls human like non-magical humans or non-sorcerer humans like monkeys throughout the movie but there was a quick flashback to when those two girls Mimiko and nanako um they were like held in a cage or something and they were like being i don't know if they were like being beaten or tortured by um non-sorcerer humans kind of reminds me of like i don't know like the salem witch hunts here in u.s history um and i think it's gato who stumbles upon them and sees how they've they've been so mercilessly beaten and i think that feels this hatred for because i think he recognizes them as uh these powerful powerful girls with these uh, powers of cursed energy that he feels like they should have be treated with like respect um,
0: yeah ghetto has like this superiority complex yeah. going on and i i agree i think that helped the the flashback with the two girls that helped to understand his motivations but like i i feel like there's got to be more to it than that i feel like that probably plays into it but you're t- it, it, there's no way that he could have this, like, hell bent goal of, of destroying the majority of the human race because one dude treated two girls really bad. No, because yeah, one... I wasn't
1: saying, like, that was it like, helped, the right? yeah. all end all. Yeah, but... like, it
0: helped to kind mm-hmm. of start the, the context around his motivation, but that was it. That's all we got. Yeah. And yet, that is his driving force for what the fuck he's doing in this movie. It's a bit too much of a disconnect. And again, we barely learn anything about him in season one. So I already, I'm going into this movie knowing nothing about this character. And now I feel like I know less about him. Like I know more about him, but less at the same time than when I finished season one. But at the end of the day, I I found his character to still be interesting. I am invested in him as the villain or as one of the antagonists for Jujutsu Kaisen. And I do want to see more about him in season two, especially how the fuck he survived and why he now has like scars and stitches and stuff.
1: Yeah. And why he, I don't. Remember, if he just plays like second lackey now to Mahito or if he's still like the person pulling the strings. I
0: bet he's I bet he's pulling the strings from the background. Mm. That That's my guess. But we'll find out in season two, maybe.
1: Yeah. And now that I think about it, uh, this movie pretty much explains why Ghetto has stitches on his head.
0: This is the whole the, <laughs> the whole, whole reason per- this movie exists. <laughs> there's
1: there's kind of a parallel here with the the demon slayer Mugen Train arc. Um, that like, special
0: like episode one. Yeah, of the TV about adaptation. that that
1: one character. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, no spoilers,
0: but yeah, if if you watch that, you probably know. If yeah. you listen to our Demon Slayer season two review, you'll know what we're talking about.
1: It's that thing of like boiling down things to their very essence, and yeah, all of Jujutsu Kaisen Zero is just explains why go uh, not go to, ghetto has stitches on his head
0: <laughs> and who the fuck that guy was in the op that we oh didn't know. yeah that too <laughs> well let's let's move on to i guess more of the the heart of the conversation which is the writing and the story and where our qualms essentially stem from the one core issue that kind of leads into these certain things that we wish were a different way in the movie um so i'm just gonna ask this question like straight up what did you think about the story itself? Like, did you think it was an interesting story? Like, as a prequel, um, did you think the story made sense and that it it kind of enhanced the world of Jujutsu Kaisen? And that, like, was it good? Did you like it? Was it good? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I enjoyed the story. Um, I think I just particularly enjoyed it because having watched Jujutsu Kaisen, we learned more about Yuta. So that he's not just this mysterious character who did these amazing things. Like here, we get to see those. Um, I, I know we've talked at length about how the relationship between him and Rika could have been developed more, Uh, but I feel like since this was this served like as a prequel to the actual Jujutsu Kaisen series, I feel like this story was more of like an experiment that gege akutami had done before he actually developed um yuji as a protagonist for the regular series because uh, it, it kind of just wraps up with yuta at the end of this right so he couldn't have served like as a proper protagonist later on um so i think that's why yuji was brought in to kind of continue similar things of again these sorcerers being responsible or like being tasked with the responsibility to rid the world of cursed energy um although with i uh, think itadori's story it's more interesting because he has he has like the king of curses imbued in him where here it's yuta being affected by a curse although he has like a a connection with a very powerful bloodline in cursed history
0: You bring up a good comparison, Yuta versus Itadori. I think Itadori's current day story is far more interesting to your point, like he has one of the strongest curses stuck inside of him. How does he figure that shit out? I think Yuta has a better backstory.
1: Mm, A way more
0: better back way more better, a way better backstory, more compelling backstory. Because yeah, it's sad Itadori's grandpa died and I don't know what the hell happened with his parents and all that stuff, but that's kind of it and then he just wants to help people. Mm -hmm. What he gets himself into is is far more interesting. Here with Utah, I mean, it's love, it's innocence, it's him trying to move on from something that literally he can't escape from because it's a curse on him now. Um, And then I feel like afterwards, I I can't really speak to that because we don't really know what happens afterwards. He travels, I guess. I don't know, but yeah, backstory-wise, Utah's definitely the stronger character.
1: Mm -hmm. I guess it's interesting that with uh gato championing supremacy and source or in being sorcerers and wielding cursed energy it's it's love i guess that kind of defeats his sense of justice love conquers uh, all <laughs> and I think even <laughs> gojo says something in the movie like love is the most unique form of cursed energy it's like
0: right? the most dangerous yeah I think he says
1: and so yeah it's, it's kind of poetic justice that that's what takes ghetto down
0: and that makes me wonder does gojo have a love backstory where he was hurt or something because i feel like it's it's interesting that he said that right like the reason Mm. um the reason a character says something like that is usually because they're speaking from experience or what have you and that could play into gojo's very like carefree nature because he's maybe too scared to get attached to anything because he had a traumatic experience with love in the past i don't know i could be pulling shit out of my ass this is purely theoretical but i just found it interesting that he was the one that said that and that he said that love is the most dangerous form of curses or whatever it was it was like a little like a little breadcrumb i felt like it was a breadcrumb for maybe a larger picture or something we'll get later on i don't know we'll see
1: yeah the only person i can i guess romantically connect him with is that that one teacher with the the hair over her head, the or hair not hair over, her, hair over her face, yeah, yeah,
0: she got that braid, maybe.
1: And i know, she, like she made a cameo appearance in this movie.
0: Or but... I could romantically connect him with the one teacher from Kyoto, the Kyoto school who wears oh. like the shrine maiden outfit. And she she has, was like, in the, like the latter half of season two.
1: The one who used like a bow and arrow.
0: I think so. She's got like the scar on her face. Yeah. I feel like they had some flirtatious energy, but who the fuck knows? It's Gojo. I don't know. But from my point of view, I thought as a prequel, this was great. I thought the story was super interesting. I love everything about Utah. I love the, the, the fusion with him and the characters that we've already um, met in season one. Um, I, I think that that additional context around those characters that we're familiar with was really great. And this prequel allowed us to do more world building. But really, at the end of the day, and I'm just going to get into it now, the the issue with this movie was the time to explore everything. Mm -hmm. They set up these really cool pieces and didn't give us enough time to explore them. So I wanted to say the pacing was odd, but it really wasn't the pacing. It was because to your point earlier, it never felt like anything was drawn out or moving too fast with the caveat that like they were not giving us the time to explore certain aspects. So I don't know if it was a pacing issue, more so just like a runtime issue. But I I felt like all of the things that irked me about this movie all stem right back to the fact that if they had more time to explore XYZ, it would have been much better for the movie.
1: Yeah, I think the big issue I had related to runtime is with the movie sort of rushing Utah's character development. Because we get the two the two I guess you could call them like mini arcs where he's uh, fighting with Maki and Inumaki Maki um, at the respective places where Goja puts the veil over. was it the kid's school to find those two kids and then the shopping district to get rid of the cursed energy. Uh, it's clear like in those situations, Yuta is very inexperienced and we see him train with Maki to get better at using the blade. And then all of a sudden the, what was it Christmas Eve comes the, the night parade of a hundred demons, which I'm glad that we finally get to see that uh, in anime format and yeah, giving context to the conversations that characters had in the regular series about how epic this night was. But it's just weird to see Yuta being able to hold his own against Gato, who's supposed to be this cursed sorcerer force to reckon with in such a short amount of time like we're just expected to believe like this all takes place i think within Utah's first year at jujutsu high like how how are we led to believe like he became that op enough to i didn't
0: even (laughs) realize it was almost a year right it felt like like four days (laughs) because there was no clear break between like the time skips like Mm -hmm. where we are saying okay yes now we are further in the future and yes now we are further further in the future And yeah, I think that's just because they had to do what they could with the limited runtime that they have. And just to name some things that I wish had more time to be flushed out. um, Again, Gato's hate of normal people, Mm -hmm. uh, Rika and Yuta's relationship to your point, Yuta's journey with not only learning how to master the use of his curse, Rika, but then also how to imbue it into his sword and then fight Ghetto with fucking full confidence and like barely during that fight have a single moment of like weakness or surprise or whatever. Like he had his shit together that whole fucking fight. I was like, damn, you're like at Gojo level and you're only one year into your fucking time at Jujutsu high yeah like where did that all come from um geto and gojo's history because we find out that they were best friends um again like yuta going from basically being called a weakling by gojo to being a fighting master like i wanted to see more of gojo training him kind of the same way that he does with itadori also rika and yuta being sick like i need more context around that um who the fuck this family is that yuta comes from or even rika's family history because Gojo did say that yeah we looked into rika's family history and then we also looked into yours but we like find out nothing about oh rika. that's right yeah I, I feel like who is rika i don't know anything about her other than yuta was in love with her and she then she was got just a, she was just a plot device exactly and that's <laughs> that's not how it should be it shouldn't be that this really important character to yuta's backstory is just a plot device i want her to be significant but all of these things, or at least the majority of them, could have been resolved had we had more time for them to tell the story and flush out these really cool pieces. And then there was the conflict. What was it? The The Walking Dead night or whatever? The night of parade
1: of a hundred <laughs> demons.
0: That thing. Okay, so that I feel like had we tailored that down a little bit, maybe there would have been more time. For other things to be explored.
1: Yeah.
0: Here's my issue with that whole parade. The conflict, that conflict, the fighting in Tokyo and Kyoto, felt like it did nothing in service to the plot and it was more so an excuse for two things. One, to showcase more fight scenes, especially for Gojo, just to flex mappa animation and choreography. And two, an excuse to give us cameos from characters previously introduced in season one, like Nanami. Or the chick with the white braid in front of her face. Like, it, it didn't... The, that whole conflict didn't even achieve its one job of keeping the members of the high school distracted from what was happening with Yuta and Ghetto. Ghetto set that whole thing up so that he could go to the high school and kill Yuta by keeping everyone else preoccupied. But Gojo immediately realizes what's going on and sends all the students back. And he kind of was like, I'll be there in a second too. He could have just gone back himself and stopped the whole issue. So the whole point of this big parade and this big distraction didn't even come to fruition. But we got some really cool fight scenes. You got to watch Tsunami beat some ass. Like that was that was something, I guess.
1: Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Um, in terms of the whole night parade thing, um, I think that whole arc just felt. That's where it felt slightly inconsistent because you're jumping between. The fights in the districts uh in shinjuku and kyoto and then you have it going back to the fight with Gero, which because of those like interspersed cuts it felt like the fight um at jujutsu high was dragging on a little bit and to your point it it felt like we were only going back to the districts to get these sort of i call them like like the mcu cameos for jujutsu kaisen where it's not just nami mean, kento i i did enjoy seeing him because he's one of my favorite characters in jujutsu kaisen but also the the kyoto school you had todo and uh maki's sister my all of them like that was cool and all but i I felt like that was just a little too fan servicey.
0: Yeah, don't get me wrong, it was hype as fuck seeing Toto and then him talk about like, dude, it's Christmas Eve and that I can't remember the idols. Oh name, yeah, but the idol. Her her <laughs> Christmas special is on, we gotta get this done quick. Or like seeing Nanami do his thing, like that was fucking hype, but it was unnecessary. Yeah. And again, I feel like had you tailored that back a little bit, um, we would have had more time to explore the other cool elements that I don't think got enough time to be explored.
1: Like you could have condensed that all in one scene and then everything else go back to Ghetto and uh, Utah's fight. And like you said, have the extra time to develop these other storylines that were kind of just hashed together for this movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I feel like another great example of that is people were fucking dying. There were members of Jujutsu High or whatever they were, like dying left and right, and we didn't even have time to see anyone be surprised by their deaths or mourn their deaths. They just fucking got demolished, mm-hmm. and then everyone's like, "Keep fighting, just keep fighting." We don't have time to even think about it because there's not enough runtime in this movie. Um, but yeah, I one big question I have, because um, I think we're we're kind of hitting the the nail on the head here with what the key issue is for this movie, and this plays into it. Do you feel convinced after watching this movie that Yuta is the amazing sorcerer that everyone hyped him up to be in season one? Like, was this enough of an example of his abilities and his powers? Or, I don't know, because, like, now Rika's gone, and this was one big fight that he had. So, I don't know. Do you feel convinced?
1: I don't know, because I feel like he... A lot of his powers relied on Rika being there, uh, and it's not really clear at the end. Like it, like Utah still vows to to use cursed energy to to wipe out cursed energy, I guess. Uh, but even when he goes over to Kenya, it, he looks like a deer in headlights uh, when he's talking to Miguel. So I can't really say that he is like, touted as this most powerful character because Rika is now gone. Like, what is he going to do now? I think the only caveat there is learning that he has this ancestry with uh, Sugawara no Michizane. Um, I looked <laughs> I looked up the, <laughs> the person. It's in regular history. He's a scholar, poet, politician um, from the Heian period of Japan. I think in Jujutsu Kaisen lore, he's one of the three great vengeful, vengeful spirits of Japan and we learn that like Gojo is also part of this bloodline which I guess kind of explains why Gojo is so OP. Um, I think we're expected to believe that Yuta is also OP because he is a descendant of this bloodline but yeah I think it the movie showed too much that he relied on Rika's power to really feel like he can hold his own and maybe like we'll maybe we'll see him in season two or three of Jujutsu Kaisen, where he has developed into this this combat ready um, cursed sorcerer. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like I could be convinced that Yuta is this amazing prodigy that everyone hypes him up to be after seeing this. But I need more. Like I just I feel like if this is it, he had one big fight where he was pretty confident. And was able to take down for the most part. He, he didn't even fully destroy Ghetto. But he was able to pretty much stop him. I I feel like there's potential there. But I'm like not fully convinced. I, did more happen in between that we didn't get to see. Because again like it's just a movie that I think lends to his powers. Maybe. I don't know. But um, I, I don't feel as convinced as I kind of wanted to feel. Based on the hype around this particular character. And Everything that we've gotten from him, like the breadcrumbs that we got in season one. So I'm excited to get more about him because it seems like the post credit scene potentially teases his return in season two.
1: So I was actually watching, um, IGN had a video of all sources, um, <laughs> uh, like uh, ending and post credit scene explained, where I think this post credit scene takes place during season one uh because there was a scene where gojo i think he, he said he returned from vacation right before that that um high school tournament you remember oh
0: yeah that's right
1: yeah and he handed out souvenirs to i think the kyoto students
0: is this where itadori comes back or something yeah i think like right around that same time yeah
1: um so i think that like this is the vacation that gojo took was to go to kenya And see Yuta and uh, Miguel. But yeah, I think, I don't know if this opens the door to like what they were doing in Kenya and if that's going to relate to something that happens in season two. I would love to see like Yuta encounter or meet Itadori and see what that would look like.
0: Yeah, that'd be really cool. And I think there's three big questions that this movie leaves us with. One, it's what happened with Ghetto? Did did like fucking Gojo kill him because we heard a stab sound, but mm-hmm. it was a black, like a, a blank screen? Uh, second question What does Yuta do now? Is he trying to live a normal life? Is he just hanging out in Kenya? Does he still have his jujitsu abilities? Um, and I think the third question, actually, yeah, third question is What the fuck happened with Miguel? He went from villain to friend, he went from foe to friend. So, how I, did that happen? I think
1: Gojo's. <laughs> just scared him shitless and he's like i'm on the wrong side yeah. <laughs> and so he went back to kenya got his bearings and and now he's trying to make right with the world
0: and now he's hanging out with utah <laughs> yeah it's kenya right that's where they were at kenya
1: yeah they were in kenya because they think they were talking about royco
0: oh right the food the kenyan food yeah which looked good. I mean, let's be honest. Utah was guzzling down that thick ass, whatever it was. I don't want to call it a it,
1: like it a looked, wrap. Or yeah, a wrap. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. it looked like a wrap. Like he hmm, he was uh he was deep throating. That thing. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> I was watching this unfold. And I'm like, damn, that is girthy, and he's shoving the whole thing in his mouth. Props to you, Utah. You must really enjoy that food. But anyway, okay. Yeah. So Kenya, I'm. I just want to know like more around what the hell's going on there. So hopefully, season two gives us some of those answers, if not all of them.
1: And that brings us to our final thoughts for Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. So how many Avada Kedavrikas out of 10 would you give this film?
0: So I have been grappling with 8.5 versus 9. Even to this moment, I still have not decided. So let me kind of talk this out. I feel like the only part of this movie that fell flat was not having enough time for explanations and exploration. Animation, soundtrack characters story um writing for the runtime that they had all of it was phenomenal really really good like just it 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 was it was a really cool story that i was invested in i was convinced by i love the the love backstory for yuta and that being his driving force for kind of what he's going through through the story i like getting more context around the characters like it was just a really good story and very um very interesting in the way that it enhances season one but i think again the the runtime kind of caused a lot of issues of just holes in the story or just not enough explanation in the story so I think if it had been longer it would have been like closer to a a 10 out of 10 movie for me so I think I'm probably going to land on 9 I'm going to land on 9 out of 10 because everything was solid with this movie it just needed more time And I feel like that's a a, it's a big problem, but it's a small enough problem where knocking one point off makes sense versus one and a half points because I gave season one of Jujutsu Kaisen a nine out of ten. So, yes, obviously, I'm pulling this out of my ass. I'm talking through this. Yes, I will give it a nine out of ten quick go before Mm -hmm. I change my mind.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm going to go with an eight and a half out of ten which I think is still a pretty good score for Jujutsu Kaisen coming from someone who's not a huge (laughs) Jujutsu Kaisen fan. Um, You know, despite the movie being like a prequel to the entire series and feeling more accessible to those who haven't watched the anime, I still think it's a rewarding treat to watch for Jujutsu Jujutsu Kaisen fans (laughs) from beginning to end. Um, It's a nice and concise refresher on the lore of Jujutsu Kaisen and the backstories of all of these characters especially that of like makis and, and gojo's uh while providing even greater context to i guess the like gojo's character and kind of like the goals that he's trying to achieve in the series uh Mappa's work as always, is always as flawless with the cinematic visuals and the fluid action choreography despite these small hiccups in the pacing and the runtime of the story and just having these dangling threads um, left not properly answered but i think overall like this movie continues to prove that using the medium of film as like a as a canonical entry for an anime franchise it gives the the story of like that given anime series more satisfying depth and context context rather than being like an easy cash grab And I guess for my final words, it makes me actually excited for the next season of Jujutsu Kaisen. Hey, let's go. Okay.
0: (laughs) That's good. Glad to hear it because I really like this show. (laughs) It's a good show. Well, there you have it. Those are our thoughts on Jujutsu Kaisen Zero Movie and i'm glad that we finally got to see it here in the us and that we didn't have to wait a long time
1: although we didn't get the, the booklet like we did with my hero i
0: know i was bummed about that yeah. i kind of wanted that more than the my hero book but that's all right yeah and thank you everyone for tuning in hopefully everyone listening got to see the movie although i think in some countries it's not released yet or may not be released in theaters um so if you're joining us and haven't watched the movie hopefully you get to see it soon But with that, that wraps up episode 79 of Strictly Anime. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday. Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at thestrictlyseries and on Twitter at strictlyseries. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll find more info on Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.